Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 102. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight not by my co-host Thomas Smiley, but by the illustrious two-time SCG Invitational Top 8 competitor, Michael Braverman. Uh, we're here to talk about Legacy. What's going on, Mike? Hey, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Oh, it's great, dude. You you actually, uh, the reason I thought of you is you had a birthday this past week, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was just uh, last Monday, about a week ago. <laughs> nice, man. And this is uh, this is a youth movement, because I feel like uh, Tom Smiley might have a few years on you. Uh, okay, well, um, I'm starting to get up there, but uh, I've been playing <laughs> Magic for uh, over half my life now, so... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's a bummer. I, I, I'm probably there, too, but... <laughs> You know, it is what it is. Sometimes I feel like these games, I'm playing Standstill right now, and sometimes these games feel like they're taking half my life. Nice. I hear that. Or when someone keeps casting uh, Astro labels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'll happen, man. So, yeah, real quick, some housekeeping stuff. There was uh, Eternal Weekend. We we got news finally from, uh, what the hell is their name? Card Titan. Okay. that eternal weekend is not going to be happening in paper we all assumed that that was the case but we got official word uh this morning that uh eternal weekend is not gonna be happening in paper this year they said a couple things they said they're gonna try to get it to go on mtgo which would be huge if they did because right now there's like this embargo from having third-party tournament organizers run tournaments on mtgo so i mean i kind of doubt that they're gonna get anything done but if they do that would be huge uh, yeah. Yeah, and they also said for 2021 they're going to do like a destination thing, which I don't know what that means, whether that means Philadelphia again or whether that means like Hawaii. I don't know what is, what does destination mean, bro. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but I know I've, <laughs> I've actually never been to one, so I really hope it works out for 2021. <laughs> yeah, I mean like for me a destination would be like Columbus or Philly, like somewhere you can get food while you play magic. Like I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to like combine like my world traveling with playing magic because then you're not going to want to play magic if it's too nice of a place right yeah that makes sense for sure i do know uh the i think the lotus boxers were able to do one kind of big legacy tournament on um mtg melee a few weeks ago i played in that was a lot of fun and it was like over 200 people yeah dude what does that mean um I'm not i read really i sure. read about it but i didn't know what mtg melee was it's like uh, something Brad Nelson and a couple other people were working on, and SCG's using it now. It's like um, a different like program for online gameplay. It runs pretty smooth, though. You can kind of like get your uh, opponent on there, and then you can like port your matches and everything. And uh, I'm not really sure the legality, but they should be able to maybe do a couple legacy things on there. I know the lotus boxers did that it's for moto though uh it can be for anything scg is only using it for arena right now but uh the lotus box like uh people usually do a couple tournaments through mtg melee and they've done like modern and some other stuff on it the only thing i think people are a little bit weary for using it on moto is when you challenge someone on moto it does a 40 minute timer which is like way too long so they were like having us take screenshots at 15 minutes or if you get down to 15 minutes on your clock you lose which 
I mean, I think that's fine for, like, legacy tournaments, but I could see, like, SCG or whoever being a little worried about, like, not having a set 25-minute timer. Yeah, that's kind of weird, actually. Yeah. Is that is that what it is for Arena, or what's the what's the reasoning behind that? Uh, Arena, you can do, like, tournament challenges with 25-minute timers. It's, like designed a little better i think uh i mean i i love magic online i've been playing it for a long time but i yeah. think if they could just get that 25 minute timer that would be the biggest thing for yeah for sure. some tournaments on there cool man well that that's uh that's interesting i, I wasn't really sure like i've been reading a lot of tweets about it but i didn't really know what it was so thank you for that yeah sure we finally got someone who's got his toe sort of in competitive <laughs> magic man is that how you describe yourself right now uh, pretty much, yeah. I've actually been grinding a lot since the uh, COVID, mainly just nothing else to do, but it's been kind of fun. I've played like almost every format. Uh, I haven't touched Vintage that much recently, but I've been playing a lot of Legacy. Word. Yeah, that's awesome, man. We saw, obviously, you won a challenge a couple weeks ago with uh, Luris Death and Taxes, right? Or it was Urian, actually. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. That's what I meant to say, yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, that deck's, uh, it's still actually alright with the nerf, too, um, because you can, once you put it in your hand, you can vial it in, uh, I've seen, seen a couple of people, uh, still playing it on the, uh, Moto Leagues. Oh, that's a good point, man, I didn't actually think about that. Oh, that makes me want to try it in vial now. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty good combo if you, like, vial in at a certain time and get to, like, exile your own guys in response. Yeah, for sure. That that's uh that's super interesting. Oh man, now I want to do that. <laughs> so yeah, man, that's uh that's really cool. So basically, we would normally do like uh like Tom and I would do like a what what happened this weekend thing. And uh, have you been playing like Paper Magic at all? Uh, no, not really. Our, our shops are still closed down. Uh, but uh, I did go ahead and I got my uh qualification for the first uh scg like championship thing next weekend which is cool at least oh sweet <laughs> wait, wait where are you exactly i'm down in uh north carolina so still on the east coast but yeah. just a ways down from y'all <laughs> but are you in a city though or are you like more rural? uh kind of near like raleigh uh north carolina so pretty near our like capital okay so it's still like uh serious lockdown territory yeah it it eased up a little bit but then we had some like numbers climbing again so it's held steady there's certain parts of the state that are off kind of off like lockdown so it's not like serious serious but all the gaming shops like you can go in and um pick up stuff and buy stuff but they like almost require like face masks to go in they're like a little stricter <laughs> yeah yeah i actually went out to eat i, I didn't realize that the, like the restaurants were open now but uh my friend was like oh meet me at extapa on friday night and i just did without thinking about it and they were just open it was just like a normal restaurant which was pretty sick so then we went to rapscallions on sunday which are, you don't know these places but they're two <laughs> massachusetts places we played cards a lot in the past and uh yeah it was pretty sick man just like doing normal shit again uh, not cutting my own hair, but it was uh, it was pretty awesome. Honestly, it was uh, 
it was way different. Actually, Pat Ublow from Leaving a Legacy came up to our FNM. We've been calling it FNM. We're just meeting at my friend's house and playing cards. And he came up and played some Alpha Alpha Forty with us, and he he loved it, bro. He was he was all in. I don't know if he played any of these old school formats, but it can be a lot of fun. Like as as like a change of pace, you know. Yeah, yeah. We've got a couple of guys around here that like have uh old school tournaments and i haven't super got into it but i've kind of looked through their like decks and seen um when i go play vintage with them and they all look really cool and it looks like a pretty fun format yeah dude it's pretty sweet so yeah that was fun man it was it was a lot different a lot a very uh very different kind of return to uh return to the past sort of like a traditional weekend up here yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, bro. It it definitely was. So, yeah, I don't know how familiar you are with our show, but we do these, like, um, sort of in-depth legacy uh, metagame breakdowns um, from time to time, and especially, like, right now when, when the meta's sort of shifted. It's kind of weird because this, this time the meta's shifted, and it's not because, like, a new set came in or some new cards or something like that uh it's just because of the companion mechanic change so in a way we're kind of back in that metagame that we were in after underworld breach got banned but before Coria came out we've sort of been talking about that lately so we you know we had the results to go over and stuff but first i just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on you know are you liking legacy right now as a format and uh what have you been enjoying doing that sort of thing Sure. So actually, once they banned um, Luris and the other uh, companion as well, the one that I think made like some of the artifact decks to Zidra, Zerda, Zidra. Yeah, that was actually like my favorite uh, time for Legacy. Partly because that's when I like kind of put that uh, Death and Taxes Urian deck together. Yeah. Um. But uh, then I could see like Garuda was starting to get a little powerful after that. Uh, but it's still a pretty fun format. There's a couple of things they still probably need to ban, like Oko and Label are kind of on the uh, borderline to me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So you call it Label. Tom calls it Astro Lab, is what he usually says. <laughs> oh, okay. So we got we got the whole spectrum here. Nice. So yeah, yeah. dude, I, I I feel you. I've played I played two leagues today. Uh, I finally bought back in after the. Uh, debacle I had with the online rental services, but I uh, I've been playing the Sharksville deck. And oh, nice! I have only played against two snow control decks in so far. I'm three leagues in. Two of them are today, but I haven't run into a whole lot of those those decks. And I'm not sure if that's just like uh, you know it's a small sample size, or if if you know people are sort of gravitating away from those decks just because those decks have actually not changed a whole lot recently so people could be getting bored with them or you know the 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 perception that you're doing the the unfair broken thing and they also take a long time to play like to win with so yeah grinding tickets is not the best strategy yeah i feel like in the leagues i don't really see them a lot but i've Mm -hmm. done a couple of the like in the like prelims and the challenges like I'll usually see it at least once or twice out of like however rounds. Yeah, that's kind of the point I was trying to Mm -hmm. gonna try to make was that like in the challenges when people are trying to win, you know, it's uh, obviously a good strategy to be playing, but maybe not the most fun. 
So yeah, that that's been my experience too, man. Uh, so you you like death and taxes? Like, is has that been like a traditional thing, or did you just do that with your Ryan? Uh, so I've always kind of liked it. Um, not like way way back. Like in the start, I was kind of more like Delver, and then I really liked uh, Shardless Bug Control. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And then, like, down the road, I kind of just started uh, having fun kind of playing Taxes. And uh, recently, I've been playing a little bit of Red Prison, too. Just, like, kind of non-brainstorm decks for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say non-brain. <laughs> well, Just, just to relax, good... turn off your mind a little. Yeah, it is a good thing after uh, I'm still working from home. But it's kind of a good, like, watch Netflix, play, like, an hour and a half league, <laughs> like... Yep don't have to think that much it's it's a fun deck too i don't mind it yeah bro we call that aping out <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah dude I, have you played the esper vile deck at all not yet i did play against it a couple of times in the uh a uh, few different tournaments online including the challenge and i think once in that uh lotus box uh legacy tournament mm -hmm. and it, it is pretty good uh but i just haven't really played it with it yet myself yeah there were a couple cards i want to talk about from m21 that just got spoiled this week that uh i think fit right in that deck so if you want to uh humor humor us for a second baron Talarian archmage one blue blue legendary human wizard uh when it comes into play you can bounce a creature or a planeswalker and at the end of your turn if a permanent was bounced to your hand this turn draw a card so it's kind of like Shepherd of the Flock or, I guess, Ephemerate in that you can save your own stuff with it. It doesn't have Flash itself, so you have to have a Vial to save your own stuff with it uh, if, if you were going to go that route. And if you do that, it has to be on your turn because on your end step you would draw a card. But it also can just be a Mana War through a Vial, right? You can bounce your opponent's stuff. And it also hits Planeswalkers, so that's... Uh, a little plus like a little a little bonus that it has from a reflector mage but i'm not sure overall if this card is going to be worth it i mean it seems like you could do a lot of cool stuff with it but yeah well the esper vildex they play caracas right because that'd be another good synergy true with it. yeah good point yeah they do play caracas the thing that i'm thinking about is just like there's so many cards that flicker either when they come in or, you know, they already have a lot of ways to save stuff between Flicker Wisp, Charming Prince. Uh, Soul Herder doesn't save stuff, but it does get value the turn you play it. So if you still have to recast whatever the thing you bounced was, and you typically only have one vial on three, it's not like as as elegant as a Flicker Wisp in that situation, I guess. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I could definitely see a one-of. Like, they play one Venser. They play a lot of one-ofs, so... Yeah, I was kind of thinking one might be the perfect number with all the recruiters and everything. It still does have some good synergies, too. Yeah. And then Nyambi Esteemed Speaker is uh, blue-white for a legendary human cleric with Flash. And when it enters the battlefield, you return a creature card to your hand and gain life equal to its converted mana cost. And it has an activated ability, which is one blue-white and discard a legendary card to draw two. So that actually, I think, more so than even being in the Esper Vile deck, deserves a look as it, like its own, own like micro archetype within like humans or or Vile, where you could play like a legendary Mox Amber kind of version 
of the deck that's more centered around this card. What do you think about that? Yeah, that seems pretty cool. And I have seen a couple of just straight blue-white human decks in Legacy, and they'd probably want this either way, with or without Mox Amber. But uh, Mox Amber, uh, I know when Luris was a thing, uh, I played uh, a pretty cool uh, Mox Amber deck with Luris. And oh, really? It, yeah. It um it was kind of like a Taxus build, but um more aggro where you could play like Arbiter on one or play Luris and then use. Oh the right, Amber, yeah, that. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's like kind of not really related to it right now, but it does seem like it has some good synergies uh, with Mox Amber for sure. I think that would kind of be in the same vein because I mean, if you're gonna play Amber, you kind of need to play stuff like Kithion and. Uh you know at least something some sort of legendary ones right like uh yeah i think i had the hound in that deck and um what else uh it it was actually a list from a different challenge that had won and it had um there's the it's a one drop white um like kind of a dwarf that gets plus two plus one if you have an artifact oh, toolcraft like exemplar yeah, yeah yeah that might fit in there pretty good too yeah that's a good call so toolcraft exemplar you can play smuggler's copter i guess and then uh what's it called uh lavinia thalia there, there's so many legendary creatures and then you could just like touch into blue and maybe even play forces in the sideboard for yeah. you know Naomi, uh i don't think you'd, you'd want like a double blue like baron although i guess you could have that and like jace vin prodigy i guess but that that would be kind of a different deck that that yeah. white deck was pretty aggro and yeah. rest in peace crusade you're not playing that anymore no <laughs> <laughs> so yeah dude those were uh those were the cards that i wanted to touch on this week we're actually for listeners we're doing our full like set review next week where we take bets on the number of cards that are going to get played and all that bullshit that we usually do. But did you have a chance to play the challenge this weekend? Uh, I didn't play the challenge, but I did get in a, a prelim actually with that red prison deck uh, on Friday. And I uh, I started off 3-0 and I was, I was kind of just like playing first, running pretty hot, dumping my hand. And then I, I actually ran into like a, a ninjas deck in the fourth round that kind of just like got me real really fast draws and uh then i like kind of lost a snowco in the last round but got to play a little bit of magic and that nice. still seems right yeah the red prison deck you're talking about the blood moon deck right yeah yeah not like the blood sun deck or whatever no, no, it's it's. I would say it's pretty stock at this point. The only kind of somewhat new thing is Bone Crushers kind of made its way in there as a staple, and um, they're not playing as many uh fiery confluences. And yeah. I ha- actually hadn't really played much with Karn the Great Creator before I like threw that deck together the other week, and that card is just busted. No, <laughs> like... it's, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's a must counter every time. Yeah uh the the thing that gets me man i lost to that deck today the reason i always lose to that deck these days is chandra awaken inferno out of the sideboard i don't know if you're playing that one uh i haven't tried that one yet i've definitely got four uh torch defiance in the main but i've played that card in cube where like now i kind of want to go in a league and try like two in the board or something (laughs) dude it's brutal because i'm always playing like these stone blade or vile or you know these these force of will mid-range decks and that card, like, 
I had one cast on me on turn two with uh, Lotus Petal and uh, Simeon Spirit Guide today, which is disgusting, but uh, it's uncounterable and it's just clock, you know, like you, you just make an emblem and then make another emblem. And the only way I can deal with it is like a one of Council's Judgment. So it's it, it goes up to eight right away. Like there's just yeah. no dealing with that damn card. So no, it's it's pretty strong. Even like it doesn't see a whole lot of play in standard, but whenever it hits the table, it usually just does something pretty good. Yeah, I don't even know what the other abilities are. I think it it can sweep the board for minus X or yeah, I, th- I think it's like three damage to all like non-elementals or you can like minus x to like uh any target yeah so unless you're playing against some psychopath with like thunder can awaken <laughs> or whatever it'll be good yeah <laughs> so yeah dude the the challenge this week was won by led dredge which i've i've seen a lot of online uh death and taxes malamujo playing death and taxes uh was nice. beat by uh van gogh playing led dredge uh, third place was Five Color Snow. Fourth and fifth were both Depths. Uh, sixth and eighth were Rug Delver decks. One with Stifle, one without. And seventh was Esper Vile. So that's your top eight. Pretty diverse. Pretty pretty much the decks that we expect to see at this point. I don't think anybody's surprised that Dredge is doing well right now. Um, it was sort of a, a bit of a... I don't want to say a hole in the metagame. Like when, whenever the metagame shifts, there's like this sort of... Uh, reward to these hyper tuned deck lists that we talked about quite a bit so i I think that like dredge does well at these sort of times you know yeah and always like kind of seems like whenever rug delver's pretty good like dredge can kind of somewhat prey on that of course depending on their depending on their sideboard but a lot of the times I've I've played some Rug Delver and Dredge has been tough if unless I'm just packing like excessive amounts of Graveyard Hate. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, man. I mean, you have like the bolts so you can break up their bridges that way. So that part of it is nice, but nothing else about the matchup is nice. Like you don't have the sideboard cards that you want. Any Graveyard Hate like Clothis or or Scavenging Ooze, like the incidental Graveyard Hate that they play is not fast enough. So you need to have like dedicated stuff. Yeah, so it's usually, definitely a tough matchup. Yeah, surgical usually great against like reanimator and pretty good against lands, but not as good against like a dedicated dredge deck unless you find like two or three of them. Yeah, exactly. And now they played fucking silent gravestone. I always see that, so <laughs> huh. It makes it even tougher. Uh Ninth place, this deck is pretty interesting. Saito-san was playing Maverick with two Oath of Ghouls and two Hounds of Athreos. The Oath of Ghouls, man, I thought that was really interesting. You know that card? What does that actually do? So it's like part of the Oath cycle from whatever set that's from. Uh, why am I blanking on the fucking set? It's like Oath the Gatewatch, maybe? No, 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 no. It's, <laughs> okay. uh, uh, it's old it, one, probably. It's uh, Stronghold. Yeah, gotcha. It's, yeah, uh, 1998. Yeah, so o- the oath, like oath of druids, oath of lieges, oath of ghouls. So oath of ghouls, I've seen it in, zo- in uh, goblins before when they play when they first started playing black with musicians expert. So oath of ghouls says during your upkeep, if they're if each player if they have more creatures in their graveyard than their opponent, they can return a creature from their graveyard to their hand. 
So it's basically just a bet that you're going to be playing the heavier creature deck than your opponent. And this deck, Maverick, sort of has a few ways to guarantee that's going to happen. First of all, they have all their Zeniths with Scavenging Ooze to eat their opponent's creatures from their graveyard. And then they're also playing Plow as their removal. So they're not putting many creatures in the graveyard anyway. So it's sort of just a value card. It's almost like a two-mana Planeswalker for them because you're constantly bringing back creatures. But it's only good in certain matchups. You mentioned like Rugdelver being a defining deck in this metagame, and that's like a Lightning Bolt deck. So I think that's what's going on here. Yeah, no, that does seem like kind of good against Rugdelver for sure. Yeah, especially because they can't deal with enchantments, man. Like I've been beating them up with Myth Realized all day. Yeah, usually, like, the one thing that uh, gives Rugdelver a, a strong edge still after all this time is now they get, like, Oko in their back pocket. Right, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the Hound of Athreos? Um, it seems, like, kind of interesting. Uh, if you're going to play Maverick right now, it, it might be worth giving it a try. I haven't really done a lot of testing with it myself, but it'd be kind of cool to uh, put it in a Maverick deck. It's interesting, man, because we see two Maverick decks in this in this top 32 of this challenge, and they're both playing the Hound, which is, is wild to me because I never thought I'd see it in this deck because it's not a Green Sun Zenith target, and it, it's like a Hate Bear without, without the ability to tutor it up. So it's kind of weird, man, but like, yeah. I guess it, maybe it does enough. Vigilance, Menace, Lifelink, uh, you can't cast spells from graveyards, and creature cards can't enter from from graveyards yeah it does help a little bit uh i mean it definitely against dredge for sure yeah and this is a four ley lines in the sideboard deck for <laughs> as far as like uh dredge hate goes oh wow so yeah that seems like a pretty good matchup for them yeah man so i guess that's where they're at i mean it is a turn two play in this deck we're looking at uh two noble hierarchs two birds of paradise you know uh decent acceleration so I guess, you know, it's a it's a beater. It's a beat stick with lifelink and uh yeah, some sort of resiliency. Yeah. I, I'm really surprised to see it to be honest, but Yeah, it kinda depends on the meta too, because I've seen um lists that play like Plague Engineer in that spot before too. Yeah, for sure, man. That one's pretty so, scary. For... Yeah. Tw uh twelfth place, Jane X playing Rug Delver with two temporal mastery. Huh. I I wish Tom was here to shit on this because I'm sure he would hate this. But I don't know. What What are your thoughts, man? Uh, I mean, I don't really think it's that good either. Like, <laughs> if it was, then people would be would have been playing it. It's just really hard to set up, and I feel like it could get stuck in your hand a lot. Yeah, dude. I I'm really surprised to see this card. I never expected to see it. Uh, you know this deck. It's very much, in my opinion, like a thin margins deck. Like you sort of uh, stumble across the finish line quite a bit. Uh, this isn't a stifle version, so it's not quite as small. It is the 19 lands, uh, three goifs, and two hooting mandrels version with two okos. But it's still... Uh, I bet it closes the door when you do get it off, but... Yeah, I think like when people were initially building Miracles and Legacy, they put like one or two in their blue white Miracles deck and it like it seemed okay, but they've 
moved on from that like years and years so i don't really know if it's the time yeah. to get back in rugdale <laughs> it seemed like the worst cantrip in miracles because all you're mm. doing is like making another land drop it's like an explore in miracles you know yeah and i don't i don't think it lasted that long in there it was like a week one or week two of the initial builds of it mainly true true so the other deck I want to talk about, our boy Teabag Tom, Tom Cairns, in 22nd place with Rug Delver. This is this is the most Teabag Tom Rug Delver deck. You know, he's like all about value. He is playing Stifle Rug Delver here. Nice. But it's not, there's no Goyfs, there's no Mandrills. This is not Rug Delver. This is four Delvers, three Arcanists, and a Hex Drinker with two Uros and one Oko. Oh wow! And nineteen nineteen lands, not because he's playing a ninth fetch, not because there's a basic island, but because Mystic Sanctuary is in this fucking deck. <laughs> and yeah, this is this is an Uro deck. This is a Delver deck disguised as a Uro, or an Uro deck disguised <laughs> as a Delver deck is what this is. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. I know, like Uro is like just like an insane magic card. Like it is, dude. It's disgusting, right? <laughs> One thing uh, I wanted to mention is the Clothis in the sideboard. Uh, that's something that Tom's been on since it came out, really. He's been all about that card. And that card is such a bitch to deal with right now. Like, I, I really think that that's a, a very good card. I, and I wasn't on board with it right away. I thought it was defensible, maybe, but not not great. And right now, it's like one of the main things I'm thinking about when I'm playing the matchup, so... Yeah, if it gets, like, to sit on the table for a few turns, it can really, like, be pretty annoying. It's it's a fucking beast, man. <laughs> that card is way better than I thought it would be. Yeah, I've even, like, played it uh, in a little bit of, like, Naya decks in Modern, and it's, like, pretty strong there, too. Yeah. Uh, 17th place and 30th place were both Merfolk decks. 17th was Pixel Tamer, 30th was Monster CC. But they're both interesting because the 17th place deck has three Sea Dasher Octopus, which is a card from Akoria that we didn't talk about at all. And the 30th place deck is a Merfolk deck. They're both Chalice and Cavern, no Wasteland, but the 30th place deck has four Paradigm Shifts and four Thassa's Oracles. So it's like a combo Merfolk deck. Huh. Yeah, so both pretty interesting. And I think, what do you think of Sea Dasher Octopus in Legacy, man? uh i'm a little skeptical on it but i mean <laughs> whenever uh merfolk gets a new card it's always kind of interesting it's actually the first deck i ever played in legacy so it's yeah good to see them like innovate a little bit yeah man sea dash or octopus is is a weird one it's uh for people who don't know it's one blue blue for a two two flash that draws a card whenever it connects with an opponent and it has mutate for one and a blue so you can just sort of play it as an enchantment if you want. And I, I really don't think that you're doing that too much because it, it all it does is sort of cantrip the turn you hit, and then it's, it's just like a you don't get exactly get two for one, but it's sort of like very tire spinning if you're not casting it. So I don't know, man. I, I was very surprised to see that card show up. The Paradigm Shift version is tough because... You know that that gives them a combo angle, like um, like a, some of these tribal decks you'll see have a combo angle from time to time, and it makes it a lot harder to play against them. So I, I think that that might be a uh, worth consideration going forward if you're a Merfolk player. 
Yeah, no, that does seem like having that extra angle of attack is kind of nice. Yeah, dude. So what do you think about the lands deck, or, or the, the lack of lands decks from the, from, uh, the metagame right now? Because we see three depths decks in this top 32, but lands is entirely missing. Uh, I, I think it's it's still okay, and I've seen a couple of builds with Uro that are kind of nice, but I know, like, if D&T is popular, then, like, Sanctum, Parlade, and uh, Rip is pretty good, and it sounded like some of those, I guess, Maverick decks had a decent amount of Graveyard hate for, not specifically lands, but just, right. like, kind of hits them as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, I thought that, that was interesting, man. Just not seeing lands because that was one of the decks that seemed like it had it could hang with like the Luris meta. It was like one of the few decks that was still surviving in its current form, and now it's just sort of dropped off. So I don't know. So onto the deck dump, we got White Faces playing this Shark Still deck, which is pretty damn close to the version I've adopted. I think I. I probably saw his tweet, Callum's tweet about this deck, and, and based my list from there. Uh, one card I'm playing is Ominous Seas that is not in this deck. But otherwise, I think this list is really tight, man. It's uh, three Myth Realized, two Teferi and a Jace, three Snapcaster, two Ponder, four Brainstorm, two Counterspell, two Force Negation, two Spell Pierce, two Spell Snare, four Force of Will, four Plows, three Shark Typhoons, and four Standstills. It's pretty brutal, man. Like the the Hall of Heliod loops with with uh, Shark Typhoon and Standstill are just incredible. Like it, it's like the, the such a supreme late game lock because you play Standstill out. If they mess with it, then you just get it back from your graveyard. And if they don't mess with it, you cast Shark Typhoon and get that back from your graveyard. So you're not even missing your draw step because Shark Typhoon cycles. Yeah, no, that Shark Typhoon seems like the perfect card for Standstill. It really is, man. It's so much better than I thought it would be. Like playing with it, I I did not uh I did not expect it to be that good of a card. Yeah, and I I watched some of the uh, PT coverage uh, online, and it was like all over the uh, coverage, just like uh, people casting uh, Sharknadoes left. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was this weekend the the pro tour. Yeah, they had a uh, two separate flights this weekend, and I think they're gonna do two separate flights next weekend as well. What does that mean, flights? Uh, just like different time zones. Uh, it's kind of like four regional pro tours, kind of all lumped, kind oh. of in like the span of two weeks. Because, um, I guess there's different time zones, and also potentially like. If somebody couldn't do this weekend, they'd have the option for next weekend. So does it feed some bigger top eight? Uh, I think there's... I'm not entirely sure how it works, but I think if you either top eight or you might have to top four, but there's doing like a, a finals event later on as well. Gotcha. All right. Keep up with it as much as I do since it doesn't always include legacy, but it's still kind of interesting. Yep. Interesting, man. I'm glad we have you on because Tom and I would have had no idea about any of that. So the next deck from the, the deck dump I want to talk about was ABR playing uh, a Blood Sun sort of Winota deck is what it's called. It's a Plateau deck, which we... This might be a first for this podcast, talking about a Plateau deck, honestly. Oh, wow. <laughs> but this is... Uh, 
Chalice of the Void and Blood Sun with Chromox and Trinisphere, the typical sort of blood, you know, prison lands, uh, City of Traitors, Ancient Tomb, that sort of thing. But then the creature base, Winota is a strange card that I don't think we even talked about in our set review because we didn't expect to see it. It's two white red for a 4 4 uh, legendary human warrior. And whenever a non human creature you control attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. You may put a human creature card from among them onto the battlefield, tap them attacking. And it gains indestructible until end of turn. Yeah, it's actually uh, kind of funny. Uh, about a week ago, it was emergency banned in that new uh, historic format just because um, there were so many uh, different things you could do with it. There was a. Really? A, there's a red seven drop from Ixalan that's a human that does double damage and you could like win on turn three in like a historic format, which was like almost like way too good. Interesting. Yeah. So that card is in this deck too. So this decks, the threat base is for non-humans. You have four Legion war bosses, four rabble masters, and I guess technically four Simeon spirit guides that you could cast out. And for humans, you have, uh, four season pyromancers, uh, two thalias, and uh, four Angrath's Marauders, which is that seven drop you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I think this is so funny because Angrath's Marauders, when we did our first set review, which was uh, M19 back like two, like two years ago, probably next week or whatever. This card I brought up specifically is an example of a card that we would never talk about as a legacy playable because there was no chance this card would ever see legacy play. Because it's seven mana for a four four, even though it has like kind of a big effect. Like if you're playing show and tell or some some way to cheat big creatures in, it's not that big of an effect. Like a Grizzle Brand, Emrakul kind of big. It doesn't protect itself. So I I literally mentioned this card as. Uh, a card that would never see legacy play and here it is so. yeah and, and i mean it didn't see any uh standard play until it um rotated True. out into the historic combo i guess it just says like bulk rare all over it you know? <laughs> yep and that's why i don't know why this card came to my mind but it's just funny that that's actually <laughs> showing up now yeah it's so it, weird it, it is funny because I do play a lot of uh, humans in modern. So whenever like a human gets printed, I'll kind of keep my eye out. But even like that one, I didn't really glance, yeah. glance over. <laughs> it's just it's just a really bad card. But you know, if you can cheat it in, I guess with Winota specifically, then there you go. Yeah, especially if you hit two of them, then it's just like game over. Oh, because it's not legendary. That's a good call. Yeah. Good, good point, man. I didn't think about that. So yeah, the uh, the next deck, Michael Keller playing Living End. This deck, we've seen Living End in Modern. It's like a kind of a quote-unquote a real deck, or at least it used to be. It got a lot of upgrades from like Amonkhet Cycle, uh, where a lot of the cycling creatures were upgraded slightly, like literally very slightly. I mean like plus one plus zero slight upgrades but there were we didn't talk about this at all but there were a couple upgrades in Akoria. there's the godzilla card that's one in the green to cycle that's an 11 11 and actually that might be it because i think the other ones are three mana to cycle like the uh the death touch eight eight 
that sort of thing. But the the green one is definitely an upgrade for this deck. And yeah, other than that, they're playing like, you know, Street Wraith, Striped River Winder, which is a hexproof 5-5 that cycles for just blue. Desert Ceradom, which is a 6-4 that cycles for just red. And then Violent Outburst and Shardless Agent to cycle in, or to cascade into your living ends. And yeah, man. First of all, what do you think of this deck? Uh, it seems kind of cool. Like, uh, my gut instinct is that uh, Dredge is going to be stronger by default, but getting to like uh, kind of have a different angle of attack, like a separate plan than going all in on your graveyard sometimes is kind of nice if you can cast a few of the guys. Yeah, for sure. The, the thing about this deck, well, also, this is kind of like an analog for Hypergenesis, right? Because they're very similar, I guess, in build. But there was a card that was spoiled, I think it was today, which is Waker of Waves. Did you see that? Uh, not yet. It's from M21. It's an uncommon, I want to say. It's like seven mana, seven, seven creatures your opponents control uh, get minus one, minus zero. I think it's five blue, blue to cast. And then it has one in a blue. This ability is while it's in your hand. One in a blue. Uh, discard it. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put one in your hand and the other on the bottom of your library or in the graveyard. I can't remember. But basically just another sort of hypergenesis living ends threat and it's pretty big man and the ability was relevant like creatures your opponents control get minus one minus zero yeah especially you can get it into your graveyard pretty quick too yeah for sure man and then this deck also had uh uro one uro and two oko which i just thought was hilarious because it's like even yeah. all in combo decks can't <laughs> escape can't escape the wrath Oh, yeah, just uh, the, those cards the only, are so good. They are. They, they're disgusting. The only other deck I want to talk about was uh, Yahuwah's playing a Rug Cascade deck. And this deck, man, like, we, we've heard people talk about it. When Modern Horizons first came out and Crash of Rhinos first came around, people were fucking with it. But basically... You're playing Ancestral Visions and Crash of Rhinos and Shardless and Bloodbraid Elf to cycle into them. But there's actually a lot of upside now because you've got Mystical Dispute and Force of Negation as counterspells that Shardless didn't used to have, but these rug decks can, can play now with Shardless Agent. And then you've also got uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist, which can flash back your Ancestral Visions and... Uh, Crash of Rhinos. So this deck, man, I honestly, looking at this deck, like I think that this deck might might have serious legs. I don't know. What do you think, man? You play some Shardless. Uh, so I do love that card, and um, I think I I haven't really seen the Legacy version of this deck, but a couple of times I've played against it in Modern, and uh, sometimes it feels a little glass cannony but getting access to i believe you said force of will as well would probably help it out a lot in legacy and like if you if it does its thing early it's really hard for a fair deck to come back from that yeah no doubt man and it's similar to the other decks we've talked about it can still play oko and uro so it's not like you're giving up some of the best cards or anything like you're still playing all these good cards actually they fit really well because you're playing um 
shardless, so you you can't hit them. Like you're not likely to hit them, but you are playing bloodbraid elf, so they're they're still decent hits off that. Yeah. So like also, three you... mana is like a better spot to be than two for this deck. I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Plus, like sometimes you get the value of bloodbraid into shardless into the other thing, and that just probably has to feel great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure, man. <laughs> So yeah, that's the deck dump. So overall, man, what are your what are your feelings about Legacy right now? So right now, I think it's a still a pretty fun format, but there's I think Astro Label is like way too good for what it is, and it makes um, I I'm a big fan of Wasteland decks, and it does make them a little worse right now. But uh, I think overall the format's still pretty fun right now. There's a couple of small tweaks that could make it a little better, but I've still been having a lot of fun with it. I've been liking it a, a lot right now. Yeah, for sure. It's it's kind of weird because I've heard some sort of negative take. I feel like there's some residual negative energy left over from people bitching about the format for so long because there were it was structurally broken for for a long time. And I still do think the Astrolabe is does need to go eventually. But I think that uh, overall, I'm really happy with where the format is right now. There is a little bit of like. Uh, we've already sort of been here before and then there's this also this side pressure of like there's no grand prix or eternal weekend or anything coming up like everything's been canceled so there's nothing to test for really right so yeah, there's not a whole lot on the horizon for it right now yeah so so there's sort of this this question of like you know what what is uh what's the impetus to discover the next best thing right Right, and I will say the the leagues. Um, I, I haven't really been enjoying modern that much recently, but I've been having a lot of fun just going through legacy leagues. Like, oh, sweet, like maybe one or so a day, just kind of fun. Bro, legacy leagues are stressful as fuck. Like, <laughs> I I've been drafting. Like, I I got to uh thirty some trophies in Acoria, so I stopped. Oh, sick. <laughs> Yeah, it's not really that sick. It's, it's like it's more like a sickness, I guess. But yeah. uh, I, I I did like Acoria a lot as a draft format, and I got to once I got over thirty, I I burned up the rest of my packs and was like, I'm done with this. I I just gonna play Legacy Leagues, and I hadn't timed out. I don't think I, maybe I timed out once in all of Acoria. I don't know. It, it's it's a very rare thing in draft, but. I, I definitely timed out a game against Maverick with Standstill, Sharkstill. And like the the stress level of uh legacy leagues is like an adjustment for me, man, because draft is very like slow and plotting and like oh, you know, you you F6 through your first turn, it doesn't actually matter. Like if you have the better deck, you're going to still win that match even though you just gave them the play in a card. Like it doesn't, you know, you're you're still probably gonna win the match, but like legacy is such thin margins that like, I don't know, man. It, for me, it's like a a serious spike, and I don't know what that is, man. Adrenaline or whatever to play the league, so yeah, it's and something I, I gotta get used to. I do kind of feel that, especially if you get up to that like four uh, zero mark, then you're really like honed in trying to get that five zero. You get that adrenaline. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Actually, dude, the, the prize structure is really different from when I used to play. It's a lot flatter, actually. 
Yeah, it's got, a little little flatter. Whenever they did that, that was like a year ago now they did that. But um, I I three two and four one today. And, okay, that's uh, pre- still pretty solid. Yeah, it was solid. I mean, I made like I don't know fifteen tickets or whatever. Like yeah, and plus a few play points, but it was uh. It was interesting because, like, you get something back for two wins. So, like, even when I started all one, I didn't feel too bad. Uh, I do like the flatter structure, even if it doesn't reward spiking as much, because I think that you have to sort of make a consolation in times like these when there's no big events. There's no real reason to be playing leagues. I think you have to make a consolation to the players with the lower win rates and sort of incentivize people to try new things and not be punished as much. To sort of keep the blood flowing in the leagues. Yeah, I think like still being able to get like half your entry fee back for a two three is kind of nice. Yeah, I didn't like it in principle, but now that I'm playing, I kind of, I kind of <laughs> get it. I kind of think that it's probably a good thing. And you know, chests are still worth a decent grip right now. They're worth more than I thought they would be at this point in time. Yeah, I think they're like around two point somewhere almost 2.5 tickets yeah i think i was getting 2.35 today but yeah pretty good man honestly all things said and done yeah i've usually just build my collection off like selling treasure chest online <laughs> yeah dude i ne- i've never opened a chest online yeah, I usually just, once I get a certain amount, I'll just uh, sell them back to whichever bot. Mm-hmm. I'm glad also 4-1 gets you 120 play points, which is awesome because I was stuck at like 97 play points for a long time. Or, you know, huh. whatever, whatever the equivalent. So like, you, I don't know how the fuck I got to this weird ass number, but basically now that they give them out in increments that aren't always 50 or 100, you can sort of build up to the next plateau where you can enter with it. So yeah. I think that that's a, a nice sort of uh, nice change that they made. Yeah, especially for like some of the challenges and stuff. It's really nice if you can use like play points for that. Monopoly money. <laughs> Funny money. Yeah. Yeah, bro. So so what's good? Like what's what's uh what's going on in your life? Um, so recently, uh, it was kind of weird. I started, uh, dating somebody right before the COVID and she's my girlfriend now. So that's pretty cool. And, um, other than that, I've, I work about a 40 hour week from home for a solar energy company doing a lot of permitting and other paperwork stuff. Um, so that's pretty cool. Still, still going to the office a couple times a month, but mostly from home with everything going on right now. Yeah, that's uh, cool, man. That's great you can do that. So did you hear about like the the coming COVID and be like, oh shit, I gotta lock this down quick <laughs> and like uh, get a girlfriend for this this time period? Because that was pretty prescient, like good uh, foresight. Not like necessarily like that, but it was kind of just someone I had started dating and then I was like, Oh well now that this is like COVID and everything, might as well like <laughs> <laughs> make it a relationship Put a ring on it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know that's kind of premature. <laughs> how's uh how's phil doing man phil's doing pretty good i've talked to him on the phone a lot and i know he and uh wilson and their friend paul like 
I think they were talking about trying to do some vintage like uh, webcam stuff that uh, I've been meaning to put my uh, vintage deck, of course, with the uh, power proxies back together. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, Wilson was telling me about that. I played a little bit of Zoom vintage with him over this uh, quarantine period. He got into it for a while. And he was saying that Phil built some sort of vintage deck, not having looked at the metagame at all, and just kicked his ass. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. But Phil yeah, dude, vintage is vintage. fun right now. Yeah. I, w- I think I'd probably put together like some form of a, a mentor blue-red-white control deck or something. I've played that in the past and had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely fun. I mean, you know, you just go crazy with mentor. Yeah. It's uh it's fun you know it's stupid vintage is stupid broken stuff but it's i think force of negation has had a a huge positive impact on vintage from the the few games i played it's not like i'm playing a ton of games but the games i do play i I think that it's a much more fair uh you have you have a a fighting chance now i would say the last time I played, I had like four Narsets in my deck, and I was thinking, <sighs> man, they really need to restrict that. And then they, they did a little while back, and I was like, okay, that definitely makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that incarnate creator, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was pretty good, just in all, all all formats. Definitely, man. Well, thank you so much for stepping up and filling in for our delinquent <laughs> Thomas Smiley, the uh, delinquent. <laughs> it might be his birthday actually man i don't know oh, okay, i'm trying, I'm trying to remember i think it Shane. i think it might be his 42nd birthday today nice that's yeah. pretty cool yeah he's just 10 years older than me <laughs> shit i think it is man everyone's gonna have to wish him a happy birthday oh yeah well, that's awesome yeah man i totally yeah. forgot about that shit i feel bad now so uh if anybody wants to contact you man are you on twitter i don't know i don't even know the answer to this question yeah yeah i'm on twitter i'm uh mike b474 or sorry yeah mike b474 on twitter i just i've been getting on a a little more recently but i'm not always on there that's the classic white guy name and numbers (laughs) i'm at ian18125 so i feel that I'm always uh, on Moto Mike Brav. Uh, might have seen the name before. I might have seen the name around, you know? <laughs> yeah, Mike Brav. Same as, uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, dude, thank you so much for coming on. We're deadformatcast at gmail.com. Uh, Tom Smiley or whatever his name is on Twitter, I don't actually know, but deadformatcast on Twitter. Holler at us. We'll be back with a normal episode next week. And uh, it's actually probably going to be a going away episode because I'm moving to Cleveland. But oh, wow. uh, yeah, that's a wrap. Yeah, thanks.